Amen. All right, Hebrews chapter 2, let's pray and let's dig into the word. Heavenly Father, we thank you, we praise you. We love you, we honor you. You are indeed a great and an awesome God. We ask this morning that your Holy Spirit would be our teacher. Not the words of man, but the word of God would go forth with power. We pray this morning, if anybody doesn't know you, that today would be the day of salvation. Lord, that we would pass, those people would pass from death into life. We thank you for the promises found in your word. We thank you that heaven is better because Jesus is better and Jesus is there. And so Lord, be our teacher this morning. In Jesus' name we pray and all God's people said, if you have your outline, grab it. I'll give you a quick overview. Hebrews, I mentioned to you in the last couple of weeks that Hebrews was a book written by a Jew to the Jews, tell them to quit being Jews. Can I get an amen? And what he was basically teaching them, and again, God's not done with the Jewish people. They're God's chosen people. Can I get an amen to that? We're pro-Israel or pro-Jewish people because God is. He's not done with them yet. Amen? That being said, what was taking place in the early church, the temple was still in existence. It would come down in AD 70. But what was happening was people were giving their life to Jesus. Then they had family or, or cultural things that they had been used to that was drawing them to go back into Judaism at the same time. Like, yeah, you can love Jesus, but you got to still make the sacrifices. Yeah, you can love Jesus, but you still have to honor all the feasts. Yeah, you can love Jesus, but you still need to go to the temple. Now, we know in the Old Covenant, all those things were placed there by God, and those were the way, that was the way that they honored the Lord and they were obedient to him. But all of those things were a foreshadowing of the one to come. And when Jesus came by his shed blood, the price was paid. We've been forgiven. We've been redeemed. The veil's been torn and we don't have to sacrifice lambs anymore. Can I get an amen? No longer do we need to go to the temple. No longer do we need to add to what Jesus did on the cross because Jesus plus nothing equals salvation. And when you add to the cross, when you make it a requirement to add something to what Jesus did, and in those days, it was you still needed to come. Now imagine, again, I understand some of that difficulty only because imagine if you went to the temple every Sabbath for 25 or 30 years. Imagine if your family, whole family gathered together for Shabbat, and then you would go back home and you would have meals together. You would hear the shofar blow when it was time for service, and now all of a sudden, Many in your family are still going and you're not. Many are still going and making the sacrifices and you're not. Many are still doing those things and there's a part of you that can be, feel like the cultural aspect of it is drawing you back into it. And that happens today. Maybe you were raised in a religion that was filled with rules and rituals and it's very, you know, uh, you know, condemning in a lot of ways. It's a, it's a, these rituals become ingrained in you. It becomes a part of your life. And then you realize that Jesus Christ is the answer. And I don't have to fulfill a bunch of religious rituals to be saved. Can I get an amen? But at the same time, I knew the church I pastored in Santa Cruz, almost half the church had come out of Catholicism. And many of them would go to mass at six o'clock and then come to our church at, at 10 because they were so Felt like, well, I got to keep my bases covered. Hey, let me, get, let me clue you in. Jesus covered all the bases for you. Can I get an amen? And Jesus Christ died on the cross and that veil's been torn and the high priest doesn't go in and make sacrifice anymore because he is the great high priest and he made the sacrifice, amen? And we saw in the last two weeks that Jesus is better. We saw first that he's better than the prophets. Praise God for the prophets. Praise God for those who were used mildly by the Lord, but they were all sinners in desperate need of a savior, 
We're not saved through the name of Moses or Abraham or Isaac or Jacob or Daniel or King David. Praise God for those godly men, but they were all sinners in need of a savior. And Jesus Christ is better. Amen. And then last week we saw that he's better than the angels. I'm waiting for the first person to come and tell me that my wife, my mom is now an angel in heaven. No, she's not. Can I get an amen? The Bible actually says we're going to be greater than the angels in heaven. Amen. And my mom is not looking down on me and watching out for me. And I know that's a sentiment that people have. Oh, your, your great uncle is looking down on you. I, I get it. If people say it in a time of grieving, you let it go. But the reality is my mom's so focused on Jesus. She's got no time to be looking down here. Can I get an amen? Heaven's better. Amen. And the same is true of Charmaine. She's in the presence of Almighty God right now and praise God for it. So he's better than the prophets. He's better than the angels. Now this morning, we're going to continue to look at the fact that Jesus indeed is better. Jesus indeed is better. If you grab your outline, I titled the message this morning, Don't Drift Away. We're going to see over the next, the rest of this book, the things that can cause us to drift away from the Lord. This morning, we're going to be looking at drifting from the word. Then in chapters three and four, we're going to see people doubting the word. Then in chapters five and six, we're going to see a spiritual apathy toward the word, dullness toward the word. Then we're going to see in chapter 10, people despising the word. And then finally, people defying the word. There's some that just become willfully disobedient toward the truth, and then people that don't even want to hear it. You know what? If the Bible's not true, we know it is, though. We know it's true. But I always say this to people that are like, well, I don't want to listen to that. It's not true. Well, if it's not true, why does it bother you to listen to it? Can I get an amen? You know why it bothers you? Because the word of God is truth. Can I get an amen? And the truth will bring conviction. And people don't want to read it because it means I might have to change my life. I might have to get off the throne of my life and put the one who belongs there in my place. Can I get an amen? So I tell the message, don't drift away, stay anchored to the rock. And we're only going to look at the first two points this morning. First of all, don't drift away from the word of God. Can I say this? And I want to say it in a loving way. When you come to church, the focus needs to be three things, Jesus, Jesus, and Jesus. Can I get an amen? And when we come to church, the word of God. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And the word of God and the worship of God need to be the focal point of why we gather. Amen? It's worship and the word. Amen? If you've been here more than once, we have worship and the word. I don't have a time for a pep rally. Can I get an amen? It's not, we don't gather together to have a petting zoo. We don't gather together for you know, anything else. This is not a political rally. Can I get an Amen? We're here to point people to Jesus Christ, him crucified and risen from the dead, and the word of God will transform lives. Amen? Now, again, we, you can be, we vote politically, we vote biblically, we should do that. But guys, you know, when we come here, we come here to hear about Jesus. Amen? And we come here to spend time in his word, and that needs to be the focal point. And you know what? We need to not sway or drift away from the word of God. By the way, are you reading your Bible every day? Open it, read it, obey it. Can I get an Amen? Read the book, don't wait for the movie, amen? Although Chosen's pretty good, I would say, amen? But, but open the book. Open it, read it, and obey it. You want your life to change, spend time in the word of God. He wrote a love letter to you. Don't let it collect dust. You know, imagine if you spent one minute on reading your Bible for every minute you're watching Netflix or Hulu or anything else. Can I get an amen? Put down Facebook and open up the book. Can I get an Amen. 
Read the book, don't wait for the movie. We need to be in God's word. Four witnesses of the truth we'll see this morning. The, spoke, the word spoken by the Lord. It was confirmed by those who heard him. There were signs, wonders, and miracles, and then the gifts of the Holy Spirit. The second thing we're going to see today, and don't drift away, don't drift away from the one who died in your place. If, my, if we did not have the promise of heaven, we would have been doing everything we could to extend my mom's life on this planet. But because we know where she's going, we were not adding days to her life that would be difficult and tormented. We allowed the Lord to take her in his time. Can I get an amen? But if you don't know the Lord, it's difficult. Something happened this week. Molly mentioned it to me last Sunday on why my mom broke the record because most people die in three to four days. My mom spent almost 15 days without any water and, and lived that long. And Molly mentioned maybe somebody there needs to get saved. Well, the owner of the place came out to talk to me at how in the world my mom had lasted so long. And I said, well, maybe it's because you need to hear about Jesus. And she just wanted me to stick around so I could tell you. And he said, well, I'm good. I know when I die, I'm just going to go into the ground. I said, bro, you, you don't know such, enough, such a thing because it's not true. Guys, what you believe does not determine what's true. Can I get an amen? I said, you're going to die and your body's going to go in the ground, but your spirit's going to be eternal. We ended up having about a couple of two-hour talks. I brought him a Bible. He's reading it. Pray for him. His name is Trig. Pray for his salvation. Can I get an amen? So no suffering is wasted. God knows what he's doing. And do not... Do not stray away or drift from the one who died in your place. Number three, four, and five, we'll see next week. From the one who suffered that you might be sanctified. From the one who defeated Satan and delivered us from the fear of death and from our faithful high priest. And if you didn't clue in, all five of those are Jesus. Can I get an amen? He's the answer to all five of these. When my kids were growing up, I'd say, if somebody asks you what the answer is in Bible school, just yell out Jesus, you'll probably be right. Amen? So he's greater than the prophets. He's greater than the angels. He is greater. And so let's begin there looking at don't drift away. First of all, do not drift away from the word of God. The word of God. Churches are drifting away. Christians are drifting away. The Bible's not being read the way that it should be. We're spending so much time being entertained by everything else. Let me just say this. Is it not hard sometimes to pick up your Bible? Somebody tell the truth. Someone tell the truth. Okay. Sometimes it's hard. It's distracting. The enemy doesn't want you to do it. I used to equate it to like going to the gym. Yes, I used to go to the gym. It's been a while, okay? But I used to, it used to be hard to get there, but I was always glad when I went. And you know, sometimes it's hard to open up your Bible because you're distracted by everything else. But every time you do, aren't you glad that you did? Can I get an amen to that? And I want to encourage you, get it through the Bible in a year program. Get something that's going to keep you accountable to be in the word of God every day because I promise you it will be worth it. So let's begin there in, verse two, in chapter two, verse one. He says, therefore, we must give the most earnest heed to the things we have heard, lest we drift away. When he says, therefore, it's always in light of what you have just heard. In the Bible, when you see therefore, you ask, what's it therefore? And what is it saying is, in light of what we just heard in chapter one, all the things we heard, that Jesus is greater He's greater than the best of men. He's greater than the saints, the prophets, the kings. He's greater than the angels. So Jesus is better. Jesus is greater. And because of who Jesus is, because of what we just read, because of what we know about him, here's how we are to respond. We must give the more earnest things to the things that we have heard. The things that Jesus has said, because we know who Jesus is, we need to listen up to what Jesus says. 
Does that make sense? Amen? Because we know who Jesus is, we need to listen up to what Jesus says. This is why I don't listen to a whole lot of people, because I know who they are, and I don't care what they say. Can I get an amen? There's too many people that have an agenda. It's got nothing to do with eternity. It's a waste of my time. I don't need to hear it. Let's focus on the one who not only speaks the truth, but is the definition of the truth. Amen? And so in light of who Jesus is, we ought to be reading our Bible more. Amen? In light of who Jesus is, we ought to be praying more. Amen? In light of who Jesus is, we ought to be sharing our faith more. But in this context, it's saying in light of his superiority, we must let no other voice compete with the words of Jesus. We don't need counsel from anyone else. Anybody who knows the Lord, who's filled with the Holy Spirit, and the word of God is sufficient. Amen? Too often we run to the world for answers, and then we wonder why our life is a mess. People get mad at me when I say it. Um, it's not politically correct, but we've been never accused of that, so that's okay. I'm not a, I'm not a big believer in, in getting counseling from anybody who's not saved and filled with the Holy Spirit. Can I get an amen to that? Why? They're spiritually dead. They have no answers. They have no hope. I don't need to hear what you have to say. It doesn't matter. Can I get an amen? They need our counsel, not, not we, us needing theirs. Amen. So he says, heed to the words that Jesus has spoken. What has Jesus said? What has he taught us? What have we heard from those that he spoke to, that heard him teach? Those are the things that we need to place in our hearts. So in the context, the letter is written to Jewish Christians who are being drawn back from the simplicity of the gospel, the simple faith in Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of sins. And again, they were being drawn back by family and friends to say, well, okay, that Jesus thing's okay, but you still should be coming to temple. That Jesus thing's okay, but you should be dragging a lamb in here on the day of atonement. That Jesus thing's okay, but you need to come to your first communion. That Jesus thing's okay, but you better go, better go confess your sins in a box to a man. You know, that Jesus thing's okay, but you better, and, they, and there's all these rituals. You know, my mom's laying there, and they, the hospice lady kept asking me, do you need anybody to bring her her last rites? No. <laughs> Can I get an amen to that? She's already saved. She's born again. We can send a priest. We got the great high priest. Can I get an amen? We don't need a priest. We got Jesus. Can I get an amen? And the reality is that, you know, they're trying to find hope and there's all these rituals that are done that are drawing us away from the simplicity of the gospel. Pastor Joshua says it every week and I sang it to my mom because she did children's ministry and she would mouth the words back early on. Jesus loves me. This I know for the Bible tells me so. Amen. And that's what we need to focus on is the words of Jesus. Friends and family will try to draw you back into the teaching of the Old Testament. Again, praise God for the Old Testament. If you come on Thursday nights, the Old Testament rocks. Can I get an amen? And all of it points to Jesus. It's wonderful. And we love the Old Testament. But you know what? All of the Old Testament was pointing to Jesus. And he is the answer. And so you look at any chapter in the Old Testament, I'll show you the Lord because he's in every chapter. And so as we look at the Old Testament, we don't want to go back to the shadow and miss out on the one who is standing right before us. We're no longer under the old covenant. It was fulfilled by Jesus Christ. So while Jesus did not come to do away with the law, but to fulfill it, he is the fulfillment of the Old Testament ceremonial law, and we no longer sacrifice lambs. You know, we met in the synagogue for, I don't know, nine months or so that we were there, and I would talk to the rabbi, and I would always ask him, you know, how are you getting to heaven? Well, we're not really sure there is a heaven. Okay, that's a problem. Amen. 
And then I would say, well, how are you keeping the Old, old Covenant? You, what, have you sacrificed the lamb lately? Where's the temple? Can I get an amen? The temple has gone because we are now the temple of the Holy Spirit. Amen? The veil's been torn because we can enter to God's presence anywhere and anytime. Now, the Old Testament is amazing. We praise God for it. It is the word of God. And it was the covenant they were under until Jesus came. But now that Jesus has come, we are no longer under the old covenant, but we walk in the new covenant, in the covenant that we have with Jesus Christ. Can I get an amen to that? So guys, let's keep our eyes on Jesus. Now, just in case, I know I've gone over this before, but we have new people. The Old Testament feasts and rituals, they all point to Jesus. All of them. Amen? Let's just talk about one. Let's talk about the temple. Let's talk about Passover. Passover, the blood of the lamb in the shape of a cross. Could there be any more picture of Jesus than that? Amen? They had to bring in a firstborn spotless lamb, examine it, for four days to make sure it had no blemishes. Then they shed, the, they shed the blood of the lamb. Then they took the blood of the lamb and they had to apply it to the top of the doorpost, both sides and at the feet, a clear picture of the cross. And it wasn't enough to slay the lamb for his blood. You had to apply the blood of the lamb. It's not enough that Jesus died. You must be applied to your life and mine. Can I get an amen? And so the blood of the lamb in the shape of a cross, the angel of death passed over and they were delivered. When you go into the temple, the first thing you saw was the bronze altar, a clear picture of the cross. It had four points where they put blood on all four points. They would take the animal and strap it down to the altar, and its blood would be shed, a clear picture. In the Bible, bronze always speaks of judgment. From the bronze altar, they would go to the bronze laver. This is in the temple as they're moving into the holy place in the holy of holies. And the bronze laver, to me, is a picture of baptism. After the blood of the lamb has been shed or the blood of bulls and goats had been shed for them, they would then take that blood and rinse it all off. And it was, a, it was again, it was a, a picture of cleansing. And guys, what can wash away my sin? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Then you go into the holy place. The first thing you saw was the table of showbread. 12 loaves of bread, one for each of the 12 tribes of Israel. Jesus is the bread of life. Amen. Then you saw the golden lampstand because Jesus is the light of the world, a very large menorah, right? And it had the lamps in it and they lit up the entire holy place. And again, because Jesus is the light of the world. Right behind that was the altar of incense that led into the Holy of Holies. There was a veil that was there. The altar of incense was lit 24 hours a day, seven days a week. The incense would pour into the holy place. It was a picture of intercessory prayer. What is Jesus doing right now? He is seated at the right hand of the Father, ever making intercession for us. Everything in the temple points to Jesus. And most of all, the Ark of the Covenant. Now, the Ark of the Covenant is a box, not a boat. Can I get an amen? And the Ark is a small golden box. And in that box were three things. Manna, it was a picture of God's provision when they were in the wilderness, but Jesus is the bread of life. Aaron's rod, he was their high priest. It was the rod that budded. It budded a, a plant in a sense, right? It budded a flower. It bloomed when it was a dead stick because God brought fruit from those who had been once been spiritually dead. But it's a picture of Jesus, our great high priest. And then lastly, there were the Ten Commandments. A copy of the Ten Commandments were inside the Ark of the Covenant because Jesus is the Word, amen? And he is the fulfillment of the law. And then finally, on the Ark of the Covenant were two angels, cherubims, whose wings touched. And in the middle, over, laid over the top of the, of the Word was the mercy seat. And again, because the Word of God, the law, shows us we're sinners, and without it being covered by the mercy of God, we could never be forgiven. Can I get an amen? But what was amazing was the high priest would only go in there on the Day of Atonement, 
And he would take the blood of a, of a perfect lamb and he would sprinkle the blood on the mercy seat. So what you saw as you looked in was two angels on each end and the shed blood of the lamb in the middle. Well, when Mary came on Resurrection Sunday, which is coming up here in a couple of weeks, and when she came into the tomb on Resurrection Sunday, when the stone had been rolled away, what did she see? An angel on the foot and at the head and the blood-stained clothes of our Savior in the middle. And the ark was always pointing to the resurrection of our Savior. Guys, the Bible rocks. The Old Testament all points to Jesus. Can I get an amen? So it's all him. It's all about him. It always points to him. And the world wants to get our eyes off of him. There are people today praying to Mary. There are people today worshiping saints. There are people today putting their faith in a church. We don't put our faith in a church. We don't put our faith in dead saints. We don't put in our faith even in the woman blessed among women who was allowed to give birth to our Savior. We put our faith in Christ alone. Amen? And he alone is risen and living and again has triumphed over sin and death. We need to stay anchored to the rock. We need to make sure we don't fall away from the truth found in the word of God. Show me somebody who reads their Bible. I'll show you someone who's growing spiritually. It's been said that a Bible that's fallen apart is a sign of a life that isn't. Amen? It's also been said that sin can keep you from this book or this book will keep you from sin. This is a love letter written by Almighty God given to us that we might have a relationship with him. When Jesus died on the cross, lastly, that veil was torn. And there was a big, heavy veil. It would take a number of priests to, to hang this veil. It was very high. It was very heavy. And when Jesus died on the cross, that veil that only the high priest could go on on the Day of Atonement was torn from top to bottom because God reached down and opened it up. And now, guys, we can enter into God's presence, not just on the Day of Atonement, not just because we're the high priest, but anywhere and anytime because of what Jesus did on the cross for us. Amen? We can talk to the Lord while we're driving down the freeway. We can spend time in his presence every single day. You can cry out to him as we did, as our mom was in the last hours of her life. Isn't it good to know that the creator of the universe hears our prayers? And in the middle of all of that, there's a temptation to go get involved in something else. Come over here. You heard the shofar, come go over here and do this. Hey, let's get distracted and spend more time on this than we do reading our Bible. And you know what? And some of those things are good, but do you know that good is the enemy of best? Amen? We can be so involved in things that maybe are good, but they're keeping us off of what is best. And guys, we can be so busy uh, doing things for other people sometimes or, or giving to things that are good that we don't spend enough time focused on that which is best. Amen? And that's the exhortation is don't allow yourself to be drawn away from the word of God or the God of the word. Jesus alone is enough. Notice it says at the end of it, why lest we drift away? Lest we drift away. The word drift away uh, speaks of a, it's, a, it's really a nautical term, and it speaks of how, uh, you know, something needs to be anchored in the ground. We'll see that in a moment. But how quickly that that thing, if it's not anchored to something, that boat will end up out in the middle of the ocean. And you know all you need to do is drift? Here, you ready? Nothing. Do nothing and you will drift. Don't spend time in your word, in the word, you'll drift. Don't spend time in prayer, you'll drift. Don't spend time sharing your faith, you'll drift. Don't spend time coming to church and being in fellowship, you'll drift. Don't spend time serving others, you'll drift. Can I get an amen to that? And we're all either growing in our relationship with the Lord or we're drifting away. 
You don't really stand still in your walk. You're either hungry and you're growing or you're getting further away from the Lord. Either getting closer to him or further from him. I use this analogy. Some of the people here don't like it. It's okay. It, I say Christianity is like a grease pole. You're either climbing up or sliding down. No one's staying still. Can I get an amen? And we need to be growing and we need to be pressing in to the kingdom of God. The word drift away means to flow by or to slip. And again, it's a nautical term for what happens to a vessel that is not properly anchored. If you don't anchor it, you come out the next day and you can't find your boat. Where'd it go? It may have sunk. May we not drift away. It's what happens to us if we're not anchored to the word of God and the superiority of Jesus Christ. We will drift with the currents of the world, the flesh and the devil, by heeding the words of men, by adding to the simple truth of the gospel. And again, before we know it, we're not where we used to be. When we move away, when we move, when we're not as close to God, we moved, not him. Can I get an amen? If you're not as close to God, it's never God's fault. It's my fault. If I'm not as close to God as it used to be, it's my fault. It's the choices I've made. I'm going to say this too. Please don't get upset. Well, get upset if you want to. I don't care. <laughs> I, think, I think the church got slapped in the face in this last election because I think a lot of people were putting too much faith in a man and not enough faith in Christ. Amen? And I voted for him, okay? But I'm, what I'm telling you is, the next day, I wasn't in fear because God's still on the throne no matter who's in the White House. And God is still faithful. Can I get an amen? But here's what can happen. We can be so focused on trying to fix the world through politics that we don't spend enough time in God's word and sharing our faith. Amen? We should vote. We should be politically active. I get all of that. I agree with that completely. But guys, I'm far more concerned about your eternity than who you voted for. I'm far more concerned about your relationship with the Lord. I'm far more concerned with people, how they're doing spiritually than where they stand politically. And I think the enemy has used that to keep us from being able to share our faith with some people. Can I get an amen? I don't want to be identified with Donald Trump. I want to be identified with Jesus Christ. I'm not a Trumper. I'm a Christian. Can I get an amen to that? About 50 more people going back to Rob's church next week. It's okay. It's okay. It's okay. It's all right. There's so many mighty movements of God that have become memorials as we drift away from the word of God. Amen? Pastor, Pastor Chuck said this. He said, a movement becomes a, a memorial and their buildings become monuments as soon as they get away from the word of God. You know, you drive through downtown cities and they have these huge beautiful church buildings, and nobody meets there anymore. They become a museum. They're on a tour. You can walk through and look at the church where people used to come worship Jesus. And they're empty. Why? Because they got away from the word of God. Amen? And some churches need to close because they've gotten away from the word of God. Amen? And so what happens is, do you know that all those churches that are dying all started well? They all started focused on Jesus. Do you know that Harvard started as a, as a theological seminar? Did you know that most of the Ivy League schools started focusing on the Lord and they've gotten so far away that if they all closed tomorrow, I'd be fine with it. Can I get an amen? But what happens is you get your focus off of Jesus and you get your focus on something else. And before you know it, Jesus isn't in the place that he deserves in your life. We cannot drift away. We need to stay anchored to Jesus. Amen. We replace the word of God with the wisdom of men. We become more concerned with the social and man-centered gospel. 
I've got people that I know that I, I led to the Lord, people that I was their pastor when they were in the youth group. And now they say to me, Pastor Dave, how can you, you're so transphobic and you're homophobic and you're, you know, all this stuff. And I'm like, no, I'm cynophobic. Can I get an amen? It's sin. And I'm a sinner too. Can I get an amen to that? I'm not a self-righteous person looking down on anybody else, but, but God created one man for one woman for a lifetime. Can I get an amen? And he created us male and female, and my doctor can confirm there's only two genders. Can I get an amen to that? The truth is that I'm tired of all this nonsense and every bit of it. I'm tired of If someone says woke to me one more time, I'm going to be sick. I might get, put him in a nap if they say woke one more time. But the reality is that I don't want to be woke. I want to be biblical. I want to keep my eyes on Jesus. I want to focus on his word and, the, and, and what the world has to say. We, they need Jesus. They need the Lord. I don't care what they think or believe. I just want to see them saved. Can I get an amen? amen? And Lord, help us. We don't want the wisdom of men. And drifting off, again, most often happens when you just go with the flow. You've heard me say it. Any dead fish can go with the flow. You throw a dead fish in a creek and he floats right along with everyone else. And guys, we're not to be dead fish. Can I get an amen? And we're to be those who walk in the center of God's will instead of being caught up with what the world has to say. Do nothing, you will drift. And even a slow drift doesn't take long before you're off course. I read this. I don't know if it's a true story or not, but I read it. And it says, an ungodly farmer died and discovered, discovered in his will that he left his farm to the devil. In court, they didn't know what to do with that. What do you do to a farm left to the devil? Finally, the judge decided, oh, the best way to carry out his wishes is just to allow the farm to sit there and don't touch it. It'll grow weeds. The soil will erode. The, heart, the, the house and the barn will rot. And in our opinion, the best way to leave something to the devil is to do nothing. And I thought, amen and amen. Because guys, if you want to have no impact on this world, just do nothing. If you want to allow your life to be consumed and, and drift away and do what the enemy wants you to do, just do nothing. But you have a gift. You have a calling upon your life. We're, called, we're all called to fulfill the Great Commission, to go therefore into all the world and preach the gospel. We're called to go out and make disciples. We're called to, to share the gospel. Can I get an amen to that? We're all called to do that. We're all called to be students of his word. And, I, and it, so do nothing, and you're doing exactly what the enemy wants you to do. By the way, you think the enemy used a pandemic to get people to do nothing? Still people doing nothing. There's still people who are afraid. Again, COVID's real. If you're susceptible to it, take measures you think you need to take. But guys, don't let the enemy win and have us sit and do nothing because we're so afraid. Can I get an amen to that? We need to be about it for the kingdom of God. Verse two, for if the word were spoken through angels proved steadfast, and every transgression and disobedience received a just reward, how shall we escape the neglect of so great a salvation? He's saying if words spoke through angels were true, how much more should we heed the words spoken through the one who is better than the angels? Can I get an amen to that? And he's exhorting them to let them know. It says in Galatians, what purpose does the law serve? It was added because of the transgression, so the seed should come to whom the promise was made, and it was appointed through the angels by the hands of a mediator. This verse and others give the implication that, again, God, God used angels to deliver the word to people. 
They're the ones that announced the birth of Christ. They're the ones that came and told Mary she was pregnant with Jesus and God would use them. But the angel's words, because they're messengers, because their word is true when delivered, if they're truly an angel and not an angel made up by Joseph Smith like Moroni. Can I get an amen? But the reality is that as the word is delivered, shouldn't we listen to the word of the one who is greater than the angels? Again, Sodom and Gomorrah, you guys remember that? They came and told Lot. Angels came and told Lot, hey, bro, uh, God's bringing judgment on this place. And by the way, it's not because of, they weren't hospitable. It's because homosexuality was running rampant. Amen? And they wanted to even have sex with the angels when they showed up. But he said, get out. Be delivered from here. And judgment's coming. Guess what? Judgment came. Can I get an amen? The word was delivered. The word was true. Saying if the word of angels are true, how much more should we heed the word of the one who is greater than the angels? Again, the angels' messages proved to be 100% accurate. How much more the words of the one? By the way, he created the angels. Amen? And he, they're just messengers for him. It says that every transgression and disobedience received a just reward. The penalties or consequences of violating the word delivered by the direction of angels proved to uh, accurately and righteously be carried out every single time. And notice that every transgression and disobedience received a reward. Guys, we cannot live a life in disobedience to God and his word and expect there to be no consequences. Can I get an amen to that? You cannot shake your fist at God. You cannot walk in open rebellion against the Lord and expect God to bless your life. I say it often. Rebellion or fellowship, choose one. Can I get an amen? You cannot walk in intimate fellowship with God and be living a life of open rebellion against God. And every time that we make that choice, the consequences come. When we're obedient, God is glorified and we get blessed. When we're disobedient, righteous judgment is coming. Now, he's a God of love and grace and mercy. And he will forgive us when we ask for forgiveness. But often the consequences will remain. Notice what he says there in verse three. How shall we escape if we neglect so great a salvation. When he says escape, that means there's something to escape from. There's something we need to escape from. How much more seriously should they take heed of the words of the one who is greater than the angels when there's something that needs to be escaped from? A greater word bought by a greater person having a greater promise will bring a greater condemnation if it's rejected. Let me say that one more time. A greater word bought by a greater person having a greater promise will bring a greater condemnation if rejected or neglected. How shall we escape the severe consequences of breaking the law if we refuse the salvation offered to us by Jesus? I say this often. Salvation is offered universally. It must be accepted individually. You're not saved because your parents are saved. God has no grandchildren. Amen? You're not saved because you went to church. You're not saved because you got baptized in the ocean or you walked down and prayed a prayer at camp when you were nine and then lived like the devil the rest of your life. Guys, by your fruit, they shall know you. Can I get an amen to that? So the truth is that we have a response. And Jesus loves you so much, he'd rather die than live without you. He suffered as if you lived your life so you could be rewarded as if you lived his. And he offers his nail-printed hands to every one of us. I died for you. I paid the price for you. 
I'm willing to pay the price for your sin. I want to adopt you into my family. I want your name written in the Lamb's book of life. I want you to know that when you close your eyes on earth, that you open them up in glory, just like Charmaine and my mom did. Can I get an amen? But the reality is that we're accountable when that salvation is offered universally, and we tell God we want no part of it. I'm not interested. I'm fully convinced that everyone that goes to hell will have to run over the cross of Christ to get there. They just reject the Lord and have nothing to do with him and choose to dishonor God. If we neglect the word there, it's the same word used in Matthew 22, 5, of those who disregarded their invitation to the marriage. You remember that? When they were all invited to the marriage supper of the Lamb, and some of them just blew it off, didn't show up. They were invited and they missed out. We're married to Jesus if we're born-again Christians, amen? We are the bride of Christ. Are you married to the Lord or have you rejected his invitation? So great a salvation. Isn't it such a great salvation that we have? Can I get an amen? amen. It's a great salvation. I'll tell you what, when you are with somebody whose life is coming to an end, as I've been many times and was again this week, you're never more glad that you were saved than at that moment. Can I get an amen to that? And it is a great salvation. By the way, we have eternal life right now. We don't get it when we draw our last breath. We have it right now. So this greatest salvation, great in many ways, what it saved us from and what it saved us to. What it saved us from and what it saved us to. So what did it save us from? Uh-oh, pastor's going to say a word that people don't like. You ready? Hell. Hell. Hell's real. It's not a curse word. It's a place. Can I get an Amen. And it's real. And the Lord wants nobody to go there. Can I get an amen to that? And everyone who goes to hell will make a conscious choice to reject the free gift of salvation that was offered by the Lord and choose to spend eternity separated from Almighty God, where there is weeping and gnashing of teeth, and the punishment is eternal. Just came here for baby dedication. I didn't want to, you know. Here's the reality it's not politically correct, but it's biblically. Did you know Jesus talks more about hell than he does heaven? You know why he doesn't want you to go there? Amen? If you saw a busload of children going off a cliff and the bus driver had passed out, would you run alongside and try to stop it or would you just let it go off? We would do everything we could to stop it, including put our own car in front of it. Can I get an amen to that? We have people going to hell without Jesus. And we just let them go right on by because we're afraid if we say something, we might offend them. If I'm, a, if I'm in a car driving off a cliff, feel free to offend me. Can I get an amen to that? <laughs> offend me as often as you want. Throw rocks at me. Get my attention. Do something. Guys, we need to love people enough to be willing to even lose a friendship if necessary that we might share with them the hope of Jesus Christ. Let's always do it in love. Let's always be gracious. Let's always be kind. We're one beggar leading another beggar to the bread. We must not be ashamed of the gospel. Ignoring it won't make it go away. I'm just going to act like God's not there. Uh, guys, he's there whether you believe it or not. Amen? Just like trig. Well, I'm just going to go on the ground and lay there. I've, I've decided. I hope that work, how's that working out? I've decided that there's no gravity, so I'm going to step off a 50-story building. I will splat on the sidewalk. Can I get an amen? If we understand both what we've been saved from, but also what we've been saved to. As Christians, we've been saved from hell, but we've been saved to heaven, and heaven's better. Amen? No matter how great you think heaven is, it's better than that. I have some some blown away ideas of how great heaven is. And I know when I get there that what I imagine will not hold a, a, will not hold a candle to what's there. Can I get an amen to that? 
I know that God is greater, that heaven is greater. Can you imagine the reunion that are, the reunions are going to take place in heaven? The Bible says we will know as we are known. We won't even have to be introduced. We'll all know each other as soon as we get there. You think that you might hug a few folks on, on your first day in heaven? Can I get an amen? First of all, the Lord himself. Heaven's going to be so amazing. It's the best 401k plan ever. Can I get an Amen. And, I, and we, we don't think about heaven enough. We don't long for heaven enough. We don't talk about heaven enough. Heaven's greater because Jesus is greater and Jesus is there. Amen? I long for heaven. So not only what we've been delivered from, but what we've been delivered to. If you get a chance, look at Luke 16. Whenever I do a memorial service, I always teach out of Luke 16. It's the story of Lazarus and the rich man. And we know that Lazarus was a beggar and the rich man was a wealthy man who would walk by, he would lay at his gates, and they both died. And it's not just a parable, it's a fact, because it's how it's taught in Scripture. And Lazarus finds himself in Abraham's bosom, which was the precursor to heaven before Jesus died on the cross. And he looks across, and the rich man looks across, and there's a great gulf, and he can see Lazarus in, in paradise. And his, he's in torment. And he says, can he just dip his finger in some water and put it on my tongue? And the Lord tells him, he cannot pass from there to you. That great gulf is fixed, and that great gulf is sin. Amen? Sin separates us, and we're all sinners, so we've got a problem. Well, here's the good news. That's why Jesus, sinless, perfect, holy God, came to earth and suffered and died in our place and took all of my sin and all of your sin upon himself, and he paid the price for us that we could be forgiven so that when he sees us, he doesn't see our sin. He sees us holy through the shed blood of Jesus Christ. Can I get amen to that? And because of that, we can be in his presence. God cannot have one sin in heaven and he's got earth part two. It was one sin in the garden that brought this mess on. Can I get an amen to that? And God is holy and perfect, so there can't be any sin in heaven and we're all sinners and that's why Jesus came. Buddha did not die on the cross for you. Muhammad did not die on the cross for you. Joseph Smith, the Mormon church, did not die on the cross for you. Mary, Taze, you know, uh, Mary Baker Eddy, Charles Taze Russell, all these guys, you know, Church of Religious Science, the Jehovah's Witnesses, all their prophets are dead. We serve a risen and living Savior who's triumphed over sin and death. Amen? And the price has been paid, and he's delivered us. I can't wait till we close our eyes on earth and we open them up in glory. Can I get an amen? And none of us have the promise of tomorrow. I wouldn't leave here without the Lord. So how do we neglect it? By giving heeds to the words of men over the word of God. Falling back into the rules and rituals and rites of Judaism. By adding to the cross of Calvary, the author takes them by the hand or reminds them, number one there, don't drift from the spoken word by the Lord. Again, one greater than the angels or the word confirmed to us by those who have heard it. The words of the apostles and the prophets. It says in the rest of verse 3, which at first began spoken by the Lord, there it is, and confirmed to us by those who heard him. So here's two things, if you underline your Bible, here are two of the things that we need to not drift away from, from the spoken word by the Lord and the word that was confirmed to us by those who heard him. You've heard me say it 100 times, 101 won't hurt you. 66 books, 40 authors, three continents, three languages, over 1,500 years, one central theme, no contradictions. That's only possible because God wrote the book. Can I get an amen? All the other books are filled with contradictions. They have to be re-edited and updated. Bible doesn't. Amen? Dead Sea Scrolls, open your Bible, they match because the Word of God is true. Amen? And so we need to hold 
tightly to the word of God. Verse 4, point number 3 there, signs, wonders, and miracles. Look what it says. God bearing witness both with signs and wonders which various, with various miracles and gifts of the Holy Spirit according to his own will. Does our God still do miracles? What's the answer? Yes. And you know what? We don't pray for it enough. Amen? Often God would do the miraculous to point people to his word. And here's why I believe a lot of us don't pray for it enough. Are there people imitating it and making a mockery of it? What's the answer? And when you see it, it makes you sick to your stomach. Amen? And when you see a guy waving his coat over people or blowing on people and they're all falling down, what a bunch of nonsense. Can I get an amen? And they do those kinds of things and are raising money for themselves and it makes a mockery of Christianity. But here's the problem is when you see something faked, often you want to run to the other extreme and act like it's not even real. Because they fake it, we need to take it back and do it the way the word of God tells us to. Can I get an amen? We need to pray for people to be healed. We need to pray. Hey, when my mom was, she's had Alzheimer's for eight years. My sister and I, we would pray constantly. Lord, take her, either heal her and wake her up and bring us back the mom that we used to have or take her to heaven. And either way, she's going to get healed. Can I get an amen to that? But I would have loved it if my mom had set back up. Why'd you sell my house? I mean, you know what I mean? <laughs> I would have loved it. We had to pay your bills, mom. But you know what I mean? But I would have loved it if she had, but guys, we have not because we ask not. And we stop praying for things because we've lost faith because we've seen it imitated and we've seen it mocked and we've seen it done in the wrong way. Guys, we need to pray more for the miraculous. When I would go to India every year, these guys would say, yeah, that guy right there, he, you know, God, you know, they talk about people being raised from the dead and you're like, oh, I don't know. You know why? Because we don't pray for that. By the way, if I die, don't pray to get me back. I don't want to come back. <laughs> If I'm dead, say, let that brother go. Amen? <laughs> Heaven's better. But the reality is, the miracles, did, did Jesus perform some miracles? Yes. Do you notice he, he would perform the same miracle different ways each time? He healed a lot of blind people, healed them all differently. Why? He doesn't want us following the way it was done, but the one who did it. Amen? Sometimes you say, go bathe in the pool. I'll put dirt in your eyes. He did it. He spit in his eyes. He did different things. Why? So the focus would be on him and not on, because otherwise we'd all be putting clay in each other's eyes. Amen? We'd all be doing the things that we, we'd be following the pattern instead of following the Savior. And we need to be careful we don't lose sight of it. Signs, it emphasizes the divine communication in the miraculous. And wonders, it literally means something that makes people wonder. People look and go, whoa, how did that happen? When Jesus rose from the dead, you know, in the Bible, it says that many others who had gone before him got up out of the ground and walked back into the city. How the whole city of Jerusalem didn't get saved. I have no, if you go to grandma's funeral and 30 years later, she knocks on your door. I'm thinking that might get your attention. Can I get an amen? And that's what happened. People got up out of the ground and were walking into the city testifying of Jesus because he proved in his resurrection that he triumphed over sin and death for all of us. Amen? Not just himself. So guys, may we not stray from the word of God and the four witnesses to the truth, the signs and wonders and miracles. Notice too, he says, the gifts of the Holy Spirit. It's exemplified on the day of Pentecost when the gifts of the Holy Spirit were exercised. The gifts confirmed the message. All standing by heard the wonderful works of God in their own language. 
We know in Acts chapter 1, he says, go and wait. The Holy Spirit shall come upon you. We've talked about the Holy Spirit is either with you, in you, or upon you. He's with the world. They call him their conscience. He comes to live inside of you when you're saved. And then he's upon you, being baptized in the Spirit, being filled with the Holy Spirit. As my dad would say, call it what you want. Just get it. Amen. And so the Holy Spirit was poured out upon them, and they began to speak with other tongues. But they were not, un- in that case, they were known languages in that case. There are prayer languages that aren't known languages, but this was a known language where everybody standing by heard the gospel in their own language. It'd be like if somebody was sitting over and he spoke Portuguese, and all of a sudden we start praising the Lord, and we're speaking in Portuguese the gospel, and he understands it. That's what happened in the book of Acts. So that God spoke through them, God used them. This was a supernatural gift of the Holy Spirit. And we saw the transformation because Peter, who denied Jesus, got up and preached the word of God with boldness to the very same people, and 3,000 people got saved in a single day. And a little bit later, Peter preaches to a group of people, and 5,000 more people get saved. The same Peter who ran away from a girl who said, you're one of them, and he cursed and said he didn't know God, now filled with the Holy Spirit, did the miraculous. Guys, we all need to be filled afresh with the Holy Spirit that we might be usable for the kingdom of God. Amen? Amen. Because without him, we'll walk in fear. We'll be afraid. We'll sit back. We'll do nothing. We'll drift away. Fill us afresh with the Holy Spirit. Gifts of the Holy Spirit according, again, to his will. So the word spoken by Jesus, confirmed by the eyewitness of those who heard him, confirmed with the signs and wonders and miracles and the gifts that were given. So the Author is saying to the Hebrews, listen up. You better realize what you're rejecting when you're, and you are calling the Lord a liar, when you believe these false teachers or when you add to the cross of Calvary. Verse five, point number two, from the one who died in your place. For he has not put the world to come of which he speaks in subjection to angels, but one testified in a certain place saying, What is man that you are mindful of him? Or the son of man that you take care of him? You have made him a little lower than the angels. You have crowned him with glory and honor. You have set him over the works of your hands. You have put all things in subjection under his feet. Notice he says there in the beginning, he talks about has not put them in the world to come. My opinion could mean other things, but I believe it speaks of the millennial kingdom. If you don't understand eschatology, eschatology is just a big word for the end times. And I believe the Bible clearly teaches in a pre-tribulational, pre-millennial rapture of the church. So we will be raptured, we will be taken away, we'll be gone for seven years. At the end of the, the great tribulation, we will return with the Lord and we will rule and reign with him on the earth for a thousand years with Jesus in charge. And there'll be people that are born during those times and people that will still uh, be subject to, to choosing or rejecting Jesus and we will rule and reign with him. But notice he says there, he didn't give the angels charge over it. The Bible tells us when we get to heaven, we'll be greater than the angels. The Bible tells us in the millennial kingdom that we, we will rule and reign with the Lord. So God is, chooses to use us and God is going to use us in a mighty and powerful way. Then he's quoting there Psalm 8. And in Psalm 8, he's talking about uh, you know, David's talking about the authority that God has, that we've been given over creation. And he's talking about that we, the Lord gave us authority over creation. We don't worship creation. We worship the creator. Can I get an amen to that? We also need to be good stewards of creation. And it says there, what man is he that is mindful of him or son of man that he will take care of him. You have made him a little lower than the angels. We are lower than the angels here on the earth. 
It says, you have crowned him with glory and honor, and you have set him over the works of your hands and put all things under his feet. When I, it says in Psalm 8, when I consider your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you have ordained, what is man that you are mindful of him? That's the context. He's not speaking about the Lord. You're speaking about us, that God has chosen to use us. We are tools in the hands of the master. Amen. God doesn't need us, but he chooses to use us. Doesn't that blow you away? Couldn't God do a better job just opening up the sky and just sharing the gospel? Everybody, listen up. Put the phone down. Can I get an amen? And just share the gospel. But God doesn't do it that way. He chooses to use us. And you know what? That's a blessing that we have, but it's also a responsibility that we have. Amen? We get to share our faith, but we also need to share our faith. And we are called by God. And the, you know why the world's a mess? Because we're not doing a good job. Can I get an amen to that? Amen. We're not sharing our faith enough. Look, we can blame the world. We shouldn't be surprised when people who don't know God act like they don't know God. Dogs bark, unbelievers act like unbelievers. But the sad part is when we see believers acting like they don't know God, when we keep our faith to ourselves, when we're ashamed of the gospel, when we don't use our spiritual gifts, when we're dead fish just going with the flow, we're going to look up one day and think, how in the world did I get here? I remember when I was so on fire for God. And now I look up and I'm way over here. I remember when I was using gifts for the Lord and I was serving the kingdom of God. Now I'm over. Here's the good news. It's not too late to get your eyes back on the Lord and start being used for the kingdom of God yet again. Can I get an amen to that? Amen? And, God, and look, I'm a big one in giving ministry away. I want to see all of you using your gifts, and I want to help you do it. Amen? So let us. There's opportunities. As the church continues to grow, there'll be more opportunities. Finally, last verse. Verse, 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 verse 8 says, For in him he put in all subjection under him. He left nothing that is not under him. But now we do not see all things put under him. But we see Jesus. See, here's the contrast. We see Jesus, who has made who was made a little lower than the angels for the suffering of death, crowned with glory and honor, that he, by the grace of God, might taste death for everyone. Jesus, here's what's amazing. We leave here to go to heaven. He left heaven to come down here. Thank you, Lord. Can I get an amen? He was in heaven. He was being praised and worshiped. He was being magnified and glorified. Everything was perfect. He left there, took on humanity, and came here because he loves you, and he would rather die than live without you. Amen? And he made himself lower than the angels. What they're speaking of there is he took on humanity, and he came to earth. He left there to come here. The next time you're thinking things haven't been, he left there to come here because he loves you. He hung on a cross because he loves you. He endured mocking and torment because he loves you. He allowed the, them to whip him with a scourge and a cat of nine tails because he loves you. That's the God that we serve. Guys, we should never be ashamed of him. Amen? He was not ashamed of us. While we were yet sinners, he died for us. We must not be ashamed of him. We must not keep it to ourselves. We must be brave and bold and speak about him because we love him. Amen? We're married to Jesus. If I only talked about to my wife once a year, our marriage wouldn't last. If I, if I didn't talk about her and I pretended like we weren't married when I was in a crowd of unmarried people, I would be defaming. 
as Christians, when we act like the world, when we're with the world, we're denying who we're married to. Can I get an amen to that? And he, he came here and he took on humanity so my mom could go to heaven. So Charmaine could go to heaven. So all of us could be in his presence forever. Can I get an amen to that? Heaven is better because Jesus is there. Guys, we see Jesus. The answer to our dilemma is keep your eyes on Jesus. He left heaven. He took on humanity. And remember, what, not only what he left, but why he left, because he loves you. So, in closing... Heaven's better. Heaven's holy, perfect. It's beyond our comprehension. Where Jesus is the center of worship and awe and adoration. He left it, came here to a world filled with sin, death, and wickedness. Where he was the center of man's mocking, cursing, and wrath. And he did it because he loves you. Don't allow the world to draw you away from the one who loves you so much you'd rather die than live without you. Don't let the consequences and circumstances of life to draw you away from the one who wants to have intimate fellowship with you. Guys, we need to keep our eyes on Jesus. Let's see Jesus every day. Let's begin our day in his presence. Let's spend our day in prayer. Let's keep our eyes on him. Let's pray for divine appointments. Let's pray for opportunities to share with people the hope that lies within us. And if you're here today and you don't know the Lord, you should be afraid. Because if you don't know the Lord, you don't have promise of eternal life. But you know what? You're here today by divine appointment. And one more time, you're being offered the free gift of salvation that's offered universally, but must be accepted individually. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for everyone who's here today, none by chance, all by divine appointment. We know your word says, if we believe in our heart and confess with our mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord, we will be saved to the glory of the Father. Lord, we're not looking are trying to convince people to raise their hand for a get-out-of-hell-free card. But Lord, we know your word tells us that there needs to be repentance, a change of mind, a change of heart, to turn away from the life we are now living, to surrender our lives fully to you, to put you on the throne where you belong. If you're here today and you've never given your life to Jesus Christ, or maybe you prayed a prayer a long time ago, but your life hasn't changed. The Bible, again, as I quote, it says, if you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord, you will be saved to the glory of the Father. The Bible also says, if you confess me before men, I'll confess you before my Father in heaven. If you deny me before men, I'll deny you before my Father in heaven. The Bible says, when one person gives their life to the Lord, all the angels in heaven rejoice. Love to see a party start up in heaven right about now, amen. If you've never given your life to the Lord and you know you're a sinner, because we all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, we're all sinners and you recognize that Jesus alone, the Holy Spirit has spoken to your heart today, I want you to just raise your hand right where you are so I can pray with you. Are you ready to give your life to the Lord, to surrender your life to him? If that's your heart, just raise your hand right where you are. Today's a day of salvation. Anybody at all, don't leave here without him. He loves you so much, he'd rather die than live without you. Anybody at all. Lord, we thank you for your love and your grace. We thank you for the promise of eternal life. We thank you for the Holy Spirit, the down payment on heaven that lives inside of us. Help us, Lord, to live our lives sold out and set apart unto you. Help us not to drift away, but, Lord, to be anchored to our Savior 
and to his word. Lord, we love you. We praise you. We worship you because, Lord, you are worthy to be worshiped, to be praised, and to be honored. We ask these things in your holy and your precious name. We pray, and all God's people said, is he worthy?